there's something special that happens when a storyteller gets to tell a story that they really, really enjoy telling. It becomes more of a performance. And if the storyteller does his job right, the story is carried by the emotions, not just the words. Groupings of sentences cease being just paragraphs, but they become something more. They become a gateway to another place or another time. The best stories are the ones that make you feel something. Feel what the author felt. Feel what the people in the story felt. Or make you feel like you were in the story, not listening to a story. That's how I feel about this story. I love telling this story. This is the story of Christmas Eve. You Can't Cancel Christmas, a limited series from Long Island's Holiday Music Station, Walk 97.5. I can honestly say that Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the year. I cannot remember a time in my life where that statement hasn't been true. I want to take you into my memories of the Christmas Eves of my childhood. But before I do play-by-play, I want to first reaffirm that Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the year. It always has been, and I can't imagine a set of circumstances that could exist that would change that fact. I remember being a kid and talking about Christmas with classmates and no matter how much excitement we shared while talking about the upcoming vacation or different presents that we had asked for I always felt that I was a little bit more excited than everyone else I don't think that's because the other people I knew had Christmases that weren't great I'm sure their Christmases were fantastic, but I think the spirit within me grew to such a high level so fast and so early in my life because of a specific set of circumstances. I look at my extended family dynamic and how I viewed each of the players. I look at my immediate family dynamic and how my upbringing lent itself to creating this elevated love of Christmas Eve. And I look at the elements of my personality that may have already existed within me, but were fanned and nurtured by the flames of Christmas Eve. As I mentioned previously, I grew up in what I perceived to be an uncommon household. I grew up in the same household with my grandparents 
on my father's side and my parents. This created a situation where I usually felt like I had two sets of parents. This might be something that some might say is a negative thing, and there are some things from my life that were negative because of this situation, but there were a few notable positives. The first being that I was able to learn and absorb qualities from four very different people. I like to think that I absorbed only the good parts of each, or at least what I thought were the good parts. This also allowed me to have twice as many fathering moments and twice as many mothering moments than most other kids. At the same time, I viewed my grandparents like typical grandparents, but the fact that I lived with them and saw them all the time made the dynamic atypical. More impactful than the fact that I lived with my grandparents and my parents was the fact that they were also the patriarch and the matriarch of the family, and everything happened in our house. I wonder if I would have enjoyed Christmas Eve differently or had been less comfortable if Christmas Eve had taken place in another house. It's interesting to consider, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. As a child, Christmas Eve was spent in my home, and that was just another reason why it was so wonderful. Also, my grandparents, the people running the show, were also a little bit like my parents. I wonder if I didn't have such a close relationship with them, perhaps a more typical grandparent relationship, would I have thought differently about Christmas Eve? It's interesting to consider, but it doesn't matter because I did have that relationship with my grandparents. And it was just another reason why it was so wonderful. When it finally came time to sit down to dinner, the energy of the room was already at its highest point all year. The house I lived in had a finished basement, and to a small child, it was like a football field. You could run at full speed for a while before reaching the other end. A very, very long table would be created using a bunch of other tables, and that is where everyone would sit to enjoy Christmas Eve dinner. I don't remember a kid's table or anything like that. We just had one really big, really long table. The grown-ups would be talking, and the excitement of the kids, my brother, my two cousins, and I, would be ticking up with each passing minute. I would love to tell you that dinner was great, an amazing, an incredible culinary experience that most people would live for. But honestly... I just don't recall that much about the dinners. 
I remember looking at the yellow light-up Miller Lite clock that my grandfather had at the end of the bar. We had a finished bar in the basement, which was a very popular thing when that house was built. And that clock, that clock didn't have any numbers on it. It just had these little colored dots. And I was so frustrated because I couldn't really tell if it was 7 p.m. and a long, long, long time until Santa would come or if it was 8 p.m. and getting that much closer to Santa's arrival. But... There's no doubt that these moments were some of the best moments of my life. I was safe, surrounded by people who loved me and people that I loved. Everyone was enjoying themselves and everyone was happy. The Christmas energy was on a seven on a scale of 10. I don't remember having courses to dinner, but then again, we could have. I remember everyone making a joke about the chicken parmesan that had to be made for my mother, and my mother being a good sport and laughed along with the joke. Inevitably, someone would bring up the time I saw Grandma kill the crabs in the sink, and that's basically most of the conversations that stuck out to me as a little kid. It's probably the same kinds of things that would stick out to any kid, but... As I grew up and more cognizant, I knew that each traditional event was like a checklist. And every time an item got completed and checked off, we would be one step closer to the moment we were all waiting for. There were a number of years where my cousins and I took to performing after dinner. Looking back, this all sounds so strange. One year, we got together and sang Christmas songs. Another year, I wrote an adaptation of A Christmas Carol, of course, heavily based on Mickey's Christmas Carol, and I can still see my cousin Jennifer reading off of index cards, much to my disappointment that she did not memorize the lines. And for some strange reason, reasons I can't even explain, we did a parody of... Coffee Talk with Linda Richmond from Saturday Night Live. I guess I always wanted to entertain, and my family indulged the insanity. My cousins were just always along for the ride, and my brother would usually sit in disbelief at the fools we were making of ourselves. But after every foolish performance, another item on the checklist would be completed. Check. The Christmas Eve energy was at an 8.5. This is when the true genius of my family comes into focus. I do not come from a family of showmen. As I grew older, I realized just how out of place I would feel in this family of professionals and intellectuals and construction workers and civil servants and homemakers. But I went into entertainment. And I think I went into entertainment because of how great my family executed the visit from Santa Claus. They 
may not have been able to stage a production of A Christmas Carol or write a book or a story or edit a video or get in front of a crowd and introduce bands or anything else or talk on the radio. But the visit from Santa Claus, that they got right. It would always seem to come out of nowhere, even though it was a moment that we had been looking forward to all year long, even though everyone in the basement understood what was about to happen. The fact that it did happen was just complete and total hysteria. It would always be preceded by a a lull, a, a, a dip in the in the conversation, a dip in the activity amongst the adults. It's not something that as a child you really understand, but as you get older, it's definitely something that you notice it's a part of the puzzle that made it so much better. And the thing I'm talking about is the phone call. In the basement, we had those old rotary phones, obviously the big, big ringing bell. The big bell would go off and everybody would react to the phone call because back then, the phone really didn't ring that much. At least for my grandparents, the phone did not really ring that often. And if you knew the phone was going to ring at around 8.45 or 9 p.m. or somewhere in that time frame on Christmas Eve, you knew that phone call could only be one person. It could only mean one thing, and it could mean that it was Santa Claus calling. And my grandfather pick up the phone, yo, oh, it's Santa Claus, and the place would go wild. And I'm saying that the energy of Christmas Eve was at an 8.5. When that phone rang, it went to 9.25, and I'm talking about almost boiling over. The, the phone call was almost bigger than the actual arrival of Santa Claus because of the way that the all the adults played into it. And I give them all so much credit because without the overall reaction from everybody in the basement, even if you were a kid that didn't really understand what was going on, you're just excited by the excitement. And my grandfather would say, hello, Santa Claus. Oh, you're over the George Washington Bridge now. And when we heard that Santa Claus, Santa Claus in the sleigh, being pulled by the reindeer, is over the George Washington. We didn't even know where the George Washington Bridge is. It didn't matter where the George Washington Bridge was. It had no bearing on the hysteria that was overtaking all of the kids and all of the adults in the basement. And he would have a conversation, and uh, he would play with it. My, my grandfather was no showman, but he... He got it, and it, when we when that phone call ended, we knew we were within five ten minutes of Santa Claus's arrival, and it, it really took the Christmas energy up to about a nine point seven five. If I could, pro if I can get in a, a time machine and go back and see 
any part of my life. It would I would want to see that time, the time for after the phone call is over and you hung up the phone to before we start hearing Santa Claus because that just had to be something special to watch. A couple of minutes after the phone call, it would start to happen. Now we were down in the basement, which I I don't I don't think that my family gave any thought to this particular element. But to a kid, it all made perfect sense. Of course, we're in the basement. We're at the bottom of the house. Santa Claus, he's landing on the roof. Of course he's going to land on the roof, and of course he's going to come down the stairs. It makes total, total sense. And we would hear the... There would be so much commotion and so much noise, and it would start a little low, but then it would build up, and it would be bells ringing, and it would be stomping on the ground, and and it would sound like reindeer landing on the roof, and it was just... Totally, totally incredible, and it would just whip us into a euphoria that is completely and totally inexplicable. I remember, I could still remember that feeling of just, it was... It was more than excitement. It was more than happiness. It was more than joy. It was something totally different. Never felt it before. Never going to feel it again. It was just something that is totally, totally inexplicable. And you only know it if you were there to see it or be a part of it or something similar happened to you and you'd hear it we'd hear all the stuff going on upstairs and we'd be waiting for the moment now the moment that we're talking about here christmas energy at this point after the phone call and now hearing all of the noise upstairs santa's here the sleigh has landed the bells are ringing he's on his way christmas energy 9.925 the next scene in the production is, without a doubt, Santa Claus coming down the stairs. Because the staircase had an open banister, so you were able to see, and there was probably three steps before you could see from the basement, and you would hear Santa Claus coming down the stairs, one step slowly at a time. And it was about like the fourth step that you would see Santa's boot. And I could still picture in my mind, I could still see Santa's boot, that big black boot with the white fur trim and a little bit of the red pants sticking up. When that boot hit that step, that was when we went from insane to berserk, from hysteria to something nondescript, from 9.99 to an 11. It blew the doors off the whole place, and every it was insanity. It was complete. Until, you don't know what to do. You can't contain the excitement. And for the, the, for the fact that my family was able to do this and do it more than once it, it, it and it, it was something that i knew that i i needed to be able to do that again and santa would come down and almost i'm not even saying that's the end of it but that moment the two moments the phone call and the boot hitting the step that's it if you can find a way to do that if you could find a way to 
translate that or bring that into today's world for someone in your life, then I think you've accomplished something great because I haven't forgotten. I'm 41 years old, and I haven't forgotten the sights. I haven't forgotten the sounds. I haven't gotten, forgotten the feeling of it happening. After that, Santa would come down the rest of the steps, and he would sit down, and he would talk to us, and he would converse, and he would check our tongues to see if our tongues were red for some reason. If Santa said your tongue was red, that meant you were on the nice list. I don't really understand it. It doesn't matter. I use it all, though. I still see it. I still see it happen today with Santa Claus when he comes. Same exact routine. It was just a total, total incredible thing. And Santa Claus would always bring one present, one present that was from your list. And you'd have to sit there and be respectful with Santa Claus. And, and you wouldn't open your present or, or look at your present until Santa Claus left. And one time, uh, they forgot my brother's present. It, was out, uh, it fell off the sleigh. And we had to wait. And it was, it was a memorable thing. I don't know if they did it on purpose or if it was a joke. But, uh, but ultimately, my brother got his present. And Santa Claus would usually sing. Uh, jingle bells so, so forth and it was really a wonderful wonderful interaction and it was the real Santa Claus it, it was the real Santa Claus in my house in my basement and Santa Claus would say okay you got to go to bed early because I'm coming back but I had to say hi I wanted to see you I wanted to interact with you. I wanted to see you in person and say thank you for being good this year. Merry Christmas. And then Santa would head back up the stairs, and we'd all wave goodbye to Santa Claus. And that's when I would start looking forward to next year. After Santa would leave, it was an absolute melee. The kids that received presents from Santa tore into them and started playing with them immediately. The adults would then begin exchanging their gifts, and presents from family to each kid would start to pile up. It really pushed the excitement to a level that was off the scale because here you are, a little kid, you just got a visit from Santa Claus. You just got a present from Santa Claus. And you know Santa Claus is coming back in just a few hours. And now, on top of that, you're getting more presents. Continuously being showered with love and warmth from your family. It's as if joy becomes something tangible like a blanket, and you just wrap yourself up in it. My family found a way to wrap me up in that blanket, and I never really feel like I took it off when it comes to Christmas Eve. I know I tell the story, like this was my family's Christmas Eve traditions every single year, but in reality... I'm probably only remembering 
three or four Christmas Eves. Right in that sweet spot. I say it all the time, and I know I've probably already said it here, but I'm fascinated by the idea that so much of who I am today can be traced directly back to a few hours on just three or four days of my life. One Christmas, I had a broken leg, and I was in a wheelchair. For some reason, my grandfather and my father decided to carry me down the two flights of stairs in the wheelchair. I remember them hoisting me above their heads and it being a harrowing ride. But it was the first time that I decided to glue some cotton balls to a piece of cardboard and stick it on my face so that I could pretend that I was Santa Claus with my wheelchair, the sleigh. Very, very humble beginnings. Many things have changed over the years. The last Christmas Eve we spent in my basement was 1998. My grandmother died very suddenly in early December of 1999. It was a pivotal moment in everyone's life. We couldn't do Christmas Eve in that same place that year. It just would have been too painful for everyone, especially my grandfather. Maybe there was a time that I thought we might return to that place again. But it wasn't to be. We keep the tradition alive, though. We initially moved Christmas Eve to my Aunt Carmen's house. She's my grandmother's sister, so it made a lot of sense. Then, a few years later, we moved it to a more permanent place. My Aunt Mary Grace's house. That's my father's sister and my grandmother's daughter and a natural keeper of Christmas Eve. Santa still comes each year, and each year we try to create or recreate the same experience for the next generation. What they did for us, we try to do for the next generation. Santa still calls when he's over the George Washington Bridge, And now that my Aunt Mary Grace has moved into a house with a finished basement, Santa still comes down the stairs. And there is still a moment where Santa's boot comes into view and the Christmas energy goes to 11. The sounds you've been hearing each episode are from Christmas Eve 2018. The child you hear squealing is my nephew, Matthew. We were lucky enough to capture it, and in watching it and listening to it, I believe it's the closest thing to seeing and hearing how I must have reacted all those Christmas Eves ago. There's so much more that I wanted to say, but... 
I think this is a good place to end. And while all of these other things were influenced by Christmas Eve, and none of them would exist without my experiences of Christmas Eve, all of these other things, the fact that I started having Christmas parties with my friends in our basement to breathe life back into that sacred space or the fact that I've always wanted to create something related to Christmas a story or a song or tell the story of my Christmas Eves on a podcast all those things have happened but none of them were a part of my family's original Christmas Eve celebrations so I'll leave them all for another time. This series started with a simple premise. You can't cancel Christmas. Because Christmas isn't a day or a party or a meal or a movie or a song or a story. Christmas is a feeling. And no matter what we face the passage of time and the death of our grandparents, the challenges of our adulthood and the death of our mothers, the pain of loneliness or the seriousness of a global health crisis. As long as you can hear this story or remember ones of your own Christmas Eve's past, you will always be able to find a way to feel that feeling. And when you feel it, you'll know that you can't cancel Christmas. Daddy,